Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you prefer. And of course, we are live on YouTube and Facebook as well. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. Get quick links to all of our podcasts immediately, they will drop there. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe on all those formats. And Travis and I will take you straight to the news and more on Alabama football 2023. I want to thank a couple of sponsors quickly. Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, Heat Pizza Bar, and Caldera Men's Skincare. All three of those fine sponsors will tell you a little bit more about them Later in the program, up first, though, Travis, of course, we are in game preview mode at long last here on uh, here on August 30th. As we record the Crimson Tide taking on Middle Tennessee State at 630 p.m. Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. It'll be airing on SEC Network. The Blue Raiders last season, eight and five on the year. They broke even in Conference USA play at 4-4, four and four, knocked off Miami. That was a highlight, certainly, along with a bowl victory for the Blue Raiders. Uh, they come into Tuscaloosa 39.5-point underdogs, Travis. Uh, certainly not expected to be competitive, uh, although with Alabama, um, when it comes to the quarterback situation, the penalty situation that, that from last year that Nick Saban – spoke of on Wednesday evening. Uh, plenty for Alabama to dive into in terms of improvement, regardless of opponent. Yeah, especially with Texas coming up one week from Saturday in Tuscaloosa. So uh, this isn't a situation, I think, Chase, where even if Alabama does have the game uh, in control and commanding lead, perhaps even in the midway point of the third quarter, that you'll start seeing just wholesale substitutions. I think they're going to play a lot of guys anyway because they got a lot of guys I think they're still trying to evaluate, not just a quarterback. And so um, that'll be a theme for the game for sure. But uh, I'm pretty sure Nick Saban has reminded this team of that Miami game uh, that MTSU had last season. And if he hasn't, Kevin Steele can because Kevin Steele had a front row seat, unfortunately, <laughs> from his standpoint of the worst as the then Miami defensive coordinator. No doubt about it. Rick Stockstill, the longtime head. He's been there, I don't know how long he's been at Middle Tennessee. Seems like forever anyway. Uh, former FSU guy, Rick Stockstill, as a matter of fact. And, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of empty backfield from MTSU, Travis. If you go back and look at uh, you know, some of the highlights from MTSU last year, a lot of empty backfield, a lot of three and four wide sets uh, with the quarterback. They don't mind throwing it long. Uh, defensively, I think that's where they could certainly struggle against Alabama on the line of scrimmage. They did pick up a transfer from kid from Oregon, pass rusher Brandon Buckner, uh, going to be playing some defensive end. Maybe he'll give a test to uh, one of Alabama's offensive tackles, if not both of them. So a little something to watch there, at least early in the game. Yeah, and there's some air raid principles in play for MTSU offensively. So as you outlined, probably going to be a big nickel and dime night for Alabama and so with all those new faces in that secondary Caleb Downs Malachi Moore is a guy that we've seen a good bit of but you know Terion Arnold we've seen some 
certainly of Kool-Aid McKinstry, a lot of Kool-Aid McKinstry, but you get into those five and defense six defensive back looks, you know, you start to wonder uh, how that's going to shape up. Is Jalen Key going to be a part of that as a safety? What about Trey Amos, the transfer corner? So a lot of intrigue again on the defensive side of the ball. And um, I think MTSU last year averaged like 3.1 yards per carry. So you're not expecting much out of the run game. Um, from the Blue Raiders in this one, but you're right. Even with a new starter at quarterback, you still got some guys on the outside that did some significant damage to Miami a year ago that are going to be in that lineup for the visitors uh, at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Yeah, let's go ahead and stay on that quarterback topic for just another couple minutes for Alabama. Jalen Milrow presumably going to be getting the first crack against Middle Tennessee State. I would think we'll see – Certainly two quarterbacks in this game, potentially three. But for Milrow, Travis, to be the guy who's been around longer than anyone else in that quarterback room and to get that first start against MTSU, this is his audition for Texas. This is his chance to say, because Nick Saban said repeatedly, look, this competition is ongoing, not only up to week one, but beyond week one. And so if you're J- Jalen Milrow, uh, you got to be thinking, look, I you know, maybe I only play a couple quarters, maybe not a whole lot of series, uh, but you, you you better perform well uh, if you want to get that start against Texas the next week. I don't put it past Nick Saban at all to start somebody other than Milrow against Texas if the Middle Tennessee game uh, shows that that's smart or necessary. I think it's all about the start because we saw Jalen Milrow extensively twice last year. We saw him off the bench, which certainly wasn't an easy situation on the road at Arkansas, and he performed about as well as you could hope. Then we see him the next week when he understands for a full week that he is going to be the starter, and it was an unnerving sort of performance. I think we can agree on that. He did produce some, uh, I think, three touchdown passes in that game too, three scores, so – you take that into account, but how does he handle the buildup? You know, is, is he able to maintain his poise and, you know, administer the offense and make sure everything is carried out uh, from an organizational standpoint? I think Nick Saban's going to be watching that as much as anything else. And obviously, you got to take care of the football um, and make some plays when you have a chance because uh, I think MTSU is in a pick your poison situation defensively going into this game. And I think we know which one they're going to pick uh, if if forced into that. And that's going to be, we'll take Alabama, you know, running against an eight-man box and trying to beat us on the back end throwing the football, right? Got to be. Yeah, if you're Middle Tennessee State, you load up against the run, you're definitely going to be outsized on the line of scrimmage. Alabama's got plenty of backs, plenty of depth in the backfield, especially if Justice Haynes is the real deal. And I, and I don't think there's much question that he is uh, looked outstanding on a day, certainly. And, and uh, a lot of praise from Nick Saban in terms of his ability to work into this rotation in the backfield. So yeah, if you're the blue Raiders uh, you want Jalen Mill, you want to force Jalen Milrow to beat you. And, and there's a darn good chance that he'll do exactly that. Uh, but he's the one you want to test. And I, I do think you, you load that box, you creep up the safeties, and uh, you do whatever you can to slow that running game down and, and try to put Milrow in as many third and five plus 
situations as you possibly can. Yeah, and you're looking at this Alabama wide receiver group and you're saying they're really talented, but there isn't a surefire Jerry Judy or Calvin Ridley or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or any of those guys. So not just in terms of the chances they're going to be willing to take with whichever quarterback is out there, not just Jalen Milrow. I'm sure they're looking at the situation and saying, hey, if we see Ty Simpson and he can beat us with his arm, more power to him. Uh, same thing for Tyler Buckner, any of these quarterbacks for Alabama. Uh, but it extends to the receiver spots too um, and, and whether or not these guys – uh, can ca- capitalize on what we anticipate being some some one-on-one opportunities out there. How about the defensive side of the ball for Alabama, Travis? We'll turn there really quickly. I'm looking forward to seeing Tim Keenan on the defensive line, a guy that created a good bit of buzz in fall camp, lost some weight. I think he was 340-plus a, a year or so ago. He's down to 315. There's some talk that he can – step in and, and uh, play a lot of football and rotate on that defensive line. And, and it's, this defensive line needs, uh, I think, uh, some some quality depth and, and uh, not to mention another playmaker or two. So that's something I'm looking forward to seeing on defense. Looking forward to seeing Deontay Lawson pre-snap, right, directing traffic, identifying fronts, identifying formations, see how quickly he's able to get that Alabama front seven organized before the snap of the ball. And then, of course, in the secondary, um, what are things going to look like back there? Is it more Trey Amos or more Terry Terry and Arnold at the outside corner spot? You mentioned Jalen Key a little bit earlier. Going to be fun to see where he works in. A lot to look for on that side of the ball, too. Yeah, and as we learned from Nick Saban earlier in the week, Devontae Smith dealing with a foot injury. So it could even bring a guy like Christian Story more into the mix than we anticipated even a week or so ago. So six, seven, eight guys that I think both of us, if we see them in that mix on the back end Saturday night, won't come as a huge surprise. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's going to be tough for some of these defensive linemen in a game like this because it doesn't project as any kind of a base game. You know, base defense out the window this week with the way Middle Tennessee plays. Uh, and even your big nickel, you, you may not have out there as much. So could be more of just a, a pass rush nickel and even the dime throughout this game. So I'm with you. I want to see Tim Keenan. I want to see potentially Tim Keenan with Jaheim Otis on the field together. I want to see Justin Aboigby finish his career uh, as a playmaker for this Alabama defense. And it's time for Tim Smith, too. And now or never, pretty much, for number 50. So, you know, those are the four guys you think about. But again, with as much as they might be in their sub packages, there are some other guys from a pass rush perspective, like a Jamarian Latham and uh, some other guys uh, that could factor into this thing pretty heavily, too. Now, when we last podcasted, Travis, I uh, teased to our listeners and viewers that we would be reconvening. Uh, on Monday night, a couple nights ago, uh, with presumably that Alabama depth chart in hand. Uh, as it turned out, uh, we we decided to bump the podcast to Wednesday in part because uh, Nick Saban said, ah, no depth chart this year. 17th year at Alabama, 16 years with a depth chart. 2023, not so much. 
what was your takeaway on Nick's decision, which he foreshadowed a year ago, by the way. Last year he said, this might be it, fellas. And uh, uh, apparently he didn't forget that. I think it's the era that we live in now. And uh, these guys are hit up so much uh, in relation to depth charts and where their status is. And not just in terms of guys that are at the bottom of the depth chart that that bothers Nick Saban with it. These guys hear all that, get all this noise, and now he's got to deal with it either with player, parent, mentor, you name it. Uh, So much feedback that they get through social media, text group messaging, um, pretty much any way you want to look at it. And, you know, we're in the business of media outlets producing their own depth charts, at least prognosticating depth charts, right? And Nick doesn't like that, you know, either. But at least with those, he can say, look, these guys don't know what they're talking about. You know, when he gets some, when he gets some grief about it from a player, you know, you know, and then when it comes down though, on official UA letterhead, uh, it hits a little bit different too, I think with some of these young people. So uh, just kind of the era we're living in, I guess. And again, I don't think he likes it from either perspective. He doesn't like it that players, um, you know, become disengaged maybe because they don't like where they're at on the depth chart. And then he doesn't like it because some guys may take on the sort of mindset of I made it. I'm here. I'm good. I'm a starter. It, the, 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 the hard work's over. The competition is over. He wants to keep that tension going both ways. Um, but it's just, uh, I don't know about you. I, I think it's just pretty much symbolic of, of where we're at. Yeah. A couple of thoughts on it. Number one, you know, he, he caught a lot of criticism for quote the two deep tumbler just took a tumble. <laughs> Speaking of depth chart, the two deep just That's went right. down to the three deep. <laughs> a couple thoughts, Travis. One, he caught some criticism for quote bullying the media. I don't buy that. I didn't feel bullied. As far as I know, no one else in the room did. It's not to look. I I, I reject the notion that this this damn piece of paper was ever a gift to the press for for anything yeah the Um, most laughable thing about his initial comments on it was that that's all we look forward to we don't care about the games we just want the depth chart right that was that was predictable and laughable i thought simultaneously both both for sure but yeah look you're only bullied if you feel bullied i certainly didn't feel bullied the guy decided not to put out it's it's no big deal to me we like you pointed out we pretty much know who the starters are going to be anyway the other head scratcher for me is what when they when they go out on the field it's a public depth chart right Right. it's going to be out there on display and so, and the players right now already know where they're at. Sure, they it's do. It's not some. There's yeah. not some unveiling in the locker room three right. minutes before kickoff. Okay, guys, here's the two. Exactly. Here's where they, you're at. They, they know. know. They yeah. know. And and so all these things that Saban is worried about, concerned about, whatever, whether it's backups feeling like, okay, I'm not going to play all year, or well, it's far, starters feeling like. I don't even ride. think it's that. I think it's the noise that comes from those from the players, it's gotta, from yeah, the people it's around be. them. 
It's got to be. And, and I think and, social and media play, this, play, this week. I think social media media is a huge piece of it. It is. It is a big piece of it. And then they've got their text groups that they're in on. Hey, man, I, I saw the UA depth chart and it showed you a third team. Yeah. I thought you were running with the ones and two some, you know, yeah. in, in fall camp. And 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 also, I would I would go as far as to guess that. Um, rivals, not just rivals, but other programs. They love it when you put out a depth chart. And there's that guy that they recruited heavily a year ago, and he's mired on the third line of that depth chart at his respective mm-hmm. position in the transfer portal era. You don't think word can get back to that player that, hey, coach so-and-so over it said he was just really surprised to see you there running third or on the third line when they absolutely – uh, we absolutely have a spot for you on the on the top line. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, there's there, there's so many things that can play into it. There are there are. I just wonder though, Travis, is it gonna on the Sunday on this coming Sunday, the day after the MTSU game, isn't social media and, and going to be a blaze about all of it anyway? Isn't aren't the group texts going to be a blaze just the same as they would have been on Monday? There's more of an overreaction on the Monday after the first game than there is on depth chart Monday. I would venture to go that far with it. Yes. The biggest overreaction of the college football season comes immediately after the first full weekend of college football. Not zero week, but this week coming up. We'll see how it comes out. I I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see. But I'm with you. It was a... It's not a big deal to me because I, I feel like I have a sense of how it lines sure. up. Sure, there'll be a couple things that I think will surprise all of us. But as you said, we're going to know by midnight, Saturday night, pretty much what the packing order is. Now, there's some ongoing competitions where some things could change during the course of the MTSU game. Significant changes, perhaps. Uh, but we'll, we'll kind of have a feel for that, too, by the time next Monday rolls around. Won't take long, that's for sure. And and yeah, as as you pointed out, and as uh, as Donald Andrews, one of our viewers, points out, this is no surprise to the players. This how this do you think chart. they line up and practice when the cameras aren't rolling? They know in the they order know. that they are participating. Yeah, there's no doubt. There there might be a couple spots where two guys are neck and neck. I I think when Saban puts out the oars on the depth chart in past years, I think those oars are fairly legitimate most of the mm-hmm. time. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the, these guys these guys know who's who's playing, who's not playing, who's a platooner, who's you not know, a platooner, you know. who's in the doghouse, who's not in the doghouse, all of it. The minute the second scrimmage of fall camp is over, you know who the top 45 or 50 players are on the football team if you're a player. You know that. You knew that. You've known that for a week and a half now. So, again, it's more about what these guys hear and Nick trying to eliminate as much of the outside noise as he possibly can because, as he referred to it as a distraction, you bet it is. In, the, in this era, especially with the transfer portal now so easily accessible and right. the door that works that way. No doubt. All right, moving on the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. We're going to start, Travis, by 
gladly welcoming back Heat Pizza Bar as a fine sponsor of the program. Thrilled to bring them back. Recently named by Alabama News Center as one of the top 12 pizzerias in the entire state. Heat Pizza Bar offers fantastic signature pizzas, including Travis's favorite, that Thai chicken pizza. My favorite, that meat lovers with pepperoni ham, bacon, and Italian sausage. I got a wide array of salads, great apps, including the best jalapeno poppers in town, and of course, a full bar with a signature drink menu. Located in Government Square Plaza, downtown Tuscaloosa, 2256th Street, Heat is a place to go for Alabama fans looking for a great meal in a relaxed atmosphere, maybe away from the strip on football weekends. You can't beat it. Frank Fleming and his great staff have some super daily specials as well, including Thursday, uh, the special from 2 to 6 p.m. You can get a pepperoni pizza for just 8 bucks, and it's $3 off on cocktails from 11 in the morning until 10 p.m. at Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and on that top 12 ranking, let me go ahead and take that two off of there for you. <laughs> there you go. Eats number one, and uh, you said it, that Thai chicken pizza, man. All of them are great, but that's the personal favorite. I, I can eat any and all of them on the menu there at Heat. I'll tell you something else I've eaten a lot of, and we'll continue to do that. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. They've got those chocolate footballs ready for you that's right regulation size footballs at peterbrook chocolatier and of course they're gonna have all your favorites too just like that chocolate covered popcorn get by peterbrook chocolatier in the next day or so no tailgate is complete without peterbrook chocolatier right there in tuscaloosa 1530 mcfarland boulevard north in the indian hill section of tuscaloosa give them a call too 205-752-0211. That's Peterbrook Chocolatier. Finally going to tell you about our new corporate sponsor. That would be Caldera Men's Skin Care. Available now at a discount for just our listeners at calderalab.com slash Tide. Now, first impressions matter. This is one way to do it right. Caldera has a team of four products that Travis and I are trying this month. The Clean Slate, the Base Layer, the Icon, and the Good. Last week featured the Clean Slate, which is a cleanser. This week we're trying that Base Layer. It's a moisturizer. And Travis, what I've noticed about this product is how little you need per application. It really just takes about a fingertip, and that'll cover your whole face. So with the jar uh, that Caldera puts the Base Layer in, I might be able to get through the whole football season before I need a refill. So it's not a product that's going to run out on you so fast that you're having to constantly buy more. And again, as with the clean slate, I'm just rubbing it right through the beard with no issues at all. All the sun we've been getting in the South this summer is hard on the skin, especially the face. So take care of yourself with Caldera Men's Skin Care. Next week, we'll take a closer look at the Icon, which is a serum from Caldera that will take care of those bags under the eyes. And once again, just for the Talking Tide audience, Caldera is offering 20% off with the discount code TIDE. Go to calderalab.com slash TIDE and save 20% right now on Caldera Lab Men's Skin Care. Again, that's calderalab.com slash TIDE. The Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network, Twitter feed talking underscore TIDE. Moving on for a few more minutes here, Travis. Taking a look at the Southeastern Conference, it's a, a terrible week, frankly, Travis. But almost half the games in the league are off the board in Las Vegas. That's how lopsided things look. 
uh, in the SEC for most games. Now, uh, the couple we'll touch on that, that ought to be competitive, certainly LSU and FSU getting together in Orlando. That's a big one. You've got South Carolina and North Carolina clashing over in Charlotte. And Florida's going to travel to Utah. Florida, uh, because of terrible weather conditions, hurricane conditions, they actually had to leave Gainesville a day early, Travis, and uh, ended up staying in Dallas, I think, on Tuesday night. Uh, so it's, uh, it's been a circuitous route for the Gators to, uh, to get to Salt Lake City. But those three games, certainly the most competitive in the league. At least that's the way it looks. Yeah, and that's rough for Billy Napier's team. But I think if you had to trade that sort of scenario for Cam Rising, the Utah starting quarterback, apparently not being able to go in this game tomorrow night, uh, that's one you would make if you're the Gators. So uh, that's huge for Utah, not having that guy behind center. And then also, I believe, a starting tight end. And Utah does utilize those tight ends quite effectively. I missed the news. Are we talking injury or suspension or what on Rising? Rising tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl last year. And so he's been on kind of a condensed recovery time frame. And they were hoping Utah was to get him back. And they also had an injury to their number two in the preseason. So uh, it's a tough situation for Utah at quarterback. Playing at home, though, at Rice-Eccles, I don't think that place gets enough love in terms of pit rankings, uh, home venues in college football. So it'll still be a major challenge with, for a Florida team that you know, looks like they're going with Graham Mertz uh, at the quarterback position and uh, a defense that really needs to improve a ton over what it was a year ago. But you like those two running backs for the Gators. And I, I think between Mertz and those backs and Ricky Pearsall at wide receiver, that's what's going to have to carry the Gators if they're going to win this one. LSU, FSU getting together. Travis, your thoughts on that one? Of course, uh, the Tigers fell to the Seminoles last year, got Brian Kelly off to a rough start. Obviously, LSU recovered nicely in SEC play to go on and win the SEC West. Mason Smith, the outstanding LSU defensive tackle, going to miss this one. Uh, missed almost all of the FSU game last year because of that unfortunate knee injury that he had. Uh, but LSU brings a lot to the table for this one, Travis. I like the Tigers to uh, to pull it off, but but I think it'll be close. I do too. I think LSU in terms of overall roster strength, maybe still a little bit of an edge over Florida State. Florida State's done some really good work in the transfer portal over the last couple of years, and I think it could be a special year for Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis. He's a guy that's sort of flying under the radar a little bit, even in this matchup with Jaden Daniels on the other side of the field, but uh, LSU, even without Smith, still very, very talented. That being said, I'm going to call for the Knowles to get it done in Orlando. Yeah. I'm with you, though. I, I think it could go either way. Um but I'll, I'll go with Florida State in this one. How about the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels getting together, Travis? Uh, Spencer Rattler, his final year at South Carolina, closed last year in, in strong fashion, did Rattler in the in regular season especially, uh, with a couple of big wins over UT and Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. So 
Um, a lot of a lot of hopes riding, I think, in uh, in Columbia on Spencer Rattler, but uh, North Carolina not an easy foe to take on in Week One. No, not with Drake May at the quarterback position. And talk about what ifs. You know, Drake May was at one time an Alabama commitment, uh, and then stuck with the the legacy situation. His family with deep deep ties to UNC, so he ended up with the Tar Heels. But in doing so, that kind of opened the door for Jalen Milrow. Uh, to make his way to Alabama. Yep. So uh, interesting angles to the quarterback position in college football, no doubt about it these days, it seems like. But, uh, you know, I think most people didn't think Spencer Rattler would be the other quarterback in a game like this at this point in his career, considering how celebrated he was as a recruit. But, man, uh, May is something else. That, That should be a really good game. Looking forward to that one. Looking forward to LSU and FSU especially. Going to try to watch as much of, of all three of those games, certainly, as I possibly can. My, that DVR is going to be worrying, Travis, uh, <laughs> in the good red house to make sure all those games get recorded. All right, let's pull somebody out of that two-deep tumbler, and then we're going to pull out for this episode of Talking Tide, see who comes out of the tumbler tonight. Open the door here just a little bit. One of these guys to fall out. There he goes. And let's see. Number four, Travis, the aforementioned Jalen Milrow. Um, we've talked got- a lot about him. It, it, it's a... Uh, it's an exciting time for him to t- to take over this uh, this game this week one, but it but it's a situation where he's got to perform well and perform well quickly out of the gate. I think to ensure that you know he goes on and and you know for Jalen Travis, obviously if you're the starting court, whether it's Milrow Simpson whoever, you want to be the wire to wire guy. Right. You want to you want to if you're starting the season, you want to finish the season. And so with this competition being as hot as it's been uh, and Nick Saban being very clear that that he won't be afraid to uh, to mix and match quarterbacks as needed. It's going to be really important for Milrow to get off to a good start. It is. And I don't know as as amazingly as this may sound. We haven't talked about Milrow's legs probably enough because if all things are equal between these guys as passers and you got Milrow running the football, which we anticipate the quarterback being uh, involved in that aspect of the offense this year, that's where he can certainly provide himself with some separation, both to his competition and defenders. So um, he does. I mean, he's, this is the moment for Jalen Miller. This is what he has positioned himself for. And so um, there is nothing guaranteed at this point. Uh, It looks like he's going to get that first opportunity. Again, I'm more interested to see poise, ability to, to operate the offense efficiently early in the game and then how he settles in more from that perspective. He should be at a point where it's not much of a problem, but you just don't really know until you get a guy in this situation. So, um, incredible talent. There's no doubt about it. I think he's been undersold, actually, as a passer a little bit because even in the 8A game, uh, like Ty Simpson, he was victimized by some pretty brutal drops, too, on some nice balls. So, uh, big, big moment for Jalen Milrow. And, you know, with these number changes here of late, Christian Story now, the defensive number four. We don't have to 
you know, dive into the Christian story background, but we talked about it earlier. He's a guy too. When you get into those sub packages, nickel and certainly dime that um, you could see the new number four on defense out there, Chase. Number four could be a big number in Alabama, especially that quarterback spot this fall. I agree. I think Jalen Milrose is got a chance to be a, a phenomenal addition to the rushing attack if they decide to uh, to do some of that zone read stuff where he can pull and go around the edge and kind of do his own thing. And we saw some of that last year. We saw some of it in the 8A game. He scored a touchdown on a play like that in the 8A game. I think he can bring a lot to the offense in that capacity. I do think he's got a, a super strong arm. The one thing that you that he's got to eliminate is occasionally he'll just kind of throw it up and hope for the yeah. best. Mm-hmm. And that's that's exactly the kind of stuff that he did that once in in the eight A game, as yeah. a matter of fact, and ended up throwing a pick that Christian I story. remember right. It almost got it, that's right. It was story, and it almost got run back. I think yeah. he got knocked out inside of bounds inside the five. So uh, that's what. Milrose definitely got to eliminate, throw it out of bounds if you have to. If Take a safety there. if you have to in that yeah. situation. Uh, that, yeah. You don't want to trade, um, you know, six for, for two, or you'll trade two for six or something like that. But no, right. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it, you're right. There's no you? Randy Moss on the roster, right? No. That you could just toss no. it up to. No, you you, you got to take, and I, I understood on that particular play, he was getting some, some blitz pressure from Malachi Moore, but still eat it if you have to in that situation. That'll eating it there will, will keep you in the game longer than making the kind of throw he did. All right. This edition of the Talking Tide podcast just ate it. We're out of here. Uh, glad to have our listeners and viewers back on board, though, for season eight of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis and I are going to take you through the fall twice weekly, Sunday nights, recapping the previous Alabama game. Wednesday night's usually going to be previewing the next game. Uh, Looking forward to it. And uh, we will be back again on Sunday to recap Alabama's home opener against Middle Tennessee State. So for Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BantamOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. And we'll talk to you this weekend on Talking Tide.